It's uh, time for Numbers That Talk in the company of Deirdre Cullen of the CSO. By the way, you find all Deirdre's work on CSO.ie. We're looking at a kind of a depressing topic, but you're going to make it incredibly interesting, such as your skill with numbers. Unemployment figures. That's right, George. So yesterday, the CSO released our monthly unemployment figures and tomorrow okay. we're releasing our monthly live register figures. And a lot of people don't understand the difference between the two sets of figures. I don't. No, a lot of people don't um, because the numbers are quite different. So just to explain, um, most countries produce two sets of information on unemployment. One, the official measure of unemployment and the other is the count of people receiving unemployment benefits. So if we look at the official measure, that's what the CSO measures and we do it through a survey. We knock on 2,000 households every week. We have a team of 100 survey interviews knocking on doors and we're asking people a series of questions. Were you working? If you weren't working, were you available for work? Were you looking for work? And were you ready to take up work? And this definition is used all across Europe. So when we produce a measure of unemployment, it's the same every month, which is very important. And it's the same all across Europe. And that's the official measure. I, when I was unemployed, like, I wasn't getting unemployment benefits, so I wasn't on the live register, so you didn't count me, for instance. That's right. You wouldn't have been in the live register, but a lot of people are on the live register who won't meet our criteria for being unemployed. So the live register is an administrative count of people receiving benefits, but also, importantly, people signing on for credits for so that they're entitled to future benefits. And so that's important, particularly in the context of if it's a mean tested, means tested credit, you might not actually get any money, but you'll still stay okay. in the system like women in the home whose husbands might have a decent salary and that type of thing. All right. And so the numbers are quite different. And the thing with the live register figures as well, they can change over time as different schemes are introduced and eligibility, you know, is cut for some people or it's reintroduced for other people. So but, it's a different measure. Yeah, but Deirdre, the scourge of this, well, the twin scourges of this country were emigration and unemployment. They're obviously linked because if you're out of work, you may well emigrate in search of work. Now, for it, particularly 30s, 40s, 50s were horrendous years for Ireland when half the population pretty well was emigrating. The population was down, I think, wasn't it? Something like three million or something? I think 1961 was the low point in population following the emigration in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. So unemployment now, for people listening, they're all convinced that these people are at home watching 45 movies on 45-inch television screens because they don't want to work. Your figures of the register indicate people looking for work, in effect, does it? The official measure, under the official measure, you have to be available to take up a job if you're offered one immediately and you have to be actively looking for work. Now, it is done through a series of questions and interview at the door, whereas the live register is people signing on for credits, as I say, or for actual benefits. But age is vitally important here. For instance, many people would believe that it's hard to get a job over 50 or people would believe that uh, it's very difficult for young people to get work. What, what, what is the age kind of profile of people who aren't working? OK, so just the good news is that unemployment is on the way down. We released figures yesterday that showed 172,000 people unemployed. That's down from the peak of 315,000 back in 2011. When 315? Unem- yes, when unemployment was at 14.7%. That was the peak during the recent recession. It's now 
now down to 7.9%. That's the figures we released yesterday. 172,000 people. Of those, 32,000 are aged under 25 and their level of unemployment is 16%, 15.9%. So not so it's good much for higher. young people. Not good for young people. For those over 25, the unemployment rate was 7.1%. So a bit better if you're if you're over 25. But what about the over 50s? Like a lot of people will believe that if you lose your job, that employers are kind of ageist and this sort of so we're not employing your man. He's, he's past it. I don't have the breakdown for those over 50. But I mean, I do understand that there's a lot of schemes there to get people with, you know, maybe skills that aren't as useful to the economy anymore back into the workplace. So, you know, be it the, the, the training schemes in IT and, and different skills. Right, so okay. I, I do believe there's very strong efforts there to get people, you know, our age, George, back into the workplace <laughs> if, if we happen to lose our job. But what about, like, for instance, we, we look at Greece where the economy uh, has been very, had very patch, And then the anecdotal evidence from reading the paper is that uh, young people in Spain have ferocious difficulty getting a job. Have you information uh, yeah, on that? Yeah, I, I brought in some of the EU comparison figures. So, I mean, at an overall level, um, there's almost 5 million young people in Europe out of work and the unemployment rate for those aged 25 and under in Spain is 43% and in Greece is 50%. So half, half of all people aged 25 and under in Greece are, out of work. are unemployed. Yeah, And in Spain it's, it's almost as high. So the figures are, are quite startling. I mean, to compare that with Germany, it's 7.2%. And then like I say with Ireland, we're now down to 16%. So Spain and Greece are really affected by now, youth unemployment I, I at appreciate, the like, you're very much a numbers person. Uh, but, but, like, sociologically, doesn't that stack up huge problems for a country in the future if half your young people are out of work, doesn't well, it? Well, I... I couldn't disagree with you more but what's startling about these figures is you couldn't I, agree with me more oh, I hope yeah yeah no sorry yeah yeah these I mean this figure of 50% of youth unemployment in Greece that figure has been there now for five six seven years so this is going on for a long time so you could have people now like who have who have no real this thing that people talk about of where not working becomes endemic also Yes, and I mean, I'm sure, you know, that was the situation in Ireland or can be the situation for certain people where you have jobless households and people grow up in jobless households and, you know, therefore you see the extra efforts to kind of break that cycle, you know. Yeah. Now, I, I, I had Patricia Callan at the Small Firms Association in earlier on. Funny, we were talking about Britain and she was painting Britain as a kind of almost utopian economy uh, where nobody was out of work. 5.3% is their unemployment rate at the moment. So it, it is low by European standards. I think the lowest is Germany. Germany is at 4.6%, but Britain has low unemployment at the moment. It certainly but does. But it isn't, like, there has to be unemployment. You can't get to zero. And isn't there a statistical sort of measurement, a percentage that you consider to be full employment? That's right, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So about 4%, I think, they regard as full employment. And in the early 2000s in Ireland, 
just before, if you like, the wave of new emigra- immigration in 2004, um, our lowest point was 3.9%. So, so we, we were at full employment. We were at full employment then, yeah. yeah. And But even at that time, you know, there was 75,000 people, I think, were unemployed. There was 150,000 people signing on the live register because they were signing on to get credits or maybe in, in temporary or part-time unemployment or all the different schemes come into the mix. Now, there is a view by the cynics, of course, that politicians, and this isn't a political question, but that politicians massage the figures because they ignore the effect of emigration. Now, when De Valera was in charge before you were born, um, they, they essentially he was delighted with emigration because it kept unemployment down. They were all leaving, so the figures were okay. How does the immigration impact, do you think, on our current unemployment figures? Well, first of all, you know, we couldn't possibly count emigrants in yeah. the unemployment figure. So if emigrants are gone, they're gone. So when I was on a couple of weeks ago, I was telling people about 80,000 people a year yeah. emigrate out of Ireland. 40,000 of those are Irish people. So over a five year period, that's 200,000 Irish people have emigrated. Now, about 100,000 are coming back. So there is a constant churn. But when I was talking to you about it, George, and we went through the figures, we saw that a lot of emigrants uh, were at work or they were students and only quite a small number of them were unemployed. So not all emigrants would be unemployed if they yeah. stayed here. And they're not all of working age too. They can be children or retired, you know. Yeah, but that makes it, that is the big difference between the 1950s and, and so on, where people emigrated because they could not get work. There's no doubt that, you know, among today's emigrants are people seeking work. But I think now you probably see more entire families going abroad as well to Australia or, you know, to Dubai or America, you know. And so mum, dad, the whole family leaves. Whereas I think in the 50s, it was primarily to the UK. And I think it was mostly men. It was well, dominated I, by men and oh then yeah, sending the paycheck I, home. I, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I saw that in my own uh, immediate family, like my uncles. All my uncles were working for Fords in Dagenham and Essex. But the families were back in Ireland and they were sending the paycheck home it was extraordinary and they would come home at uh, summer and Christmas so all the children were conceived in August and December because that was the only time they were at home it was unbelievable really that we forced our men to go abroad and leave their families at home you know yeah I, I yeah forced is quite a strong word but I guess if the jobs weren't here you oh, know yeah. we, we were a young country at, at that time yeah. you know and like you know in fairness you know to reach a, a stage of full employment in Ireland by 2000 was a marvellous achievement and then we had the recession yeah. but it is on the way back down again and, and that's a positive story yeah. for people today you know but here am I talking to you now and you are highly uh, important person down the CSO and female in 1950 it's quite possible that the person doing your job at the CSO would have been a man that's for sure and the unemployment would have sent employment employment and unemployment would have been uh, male dominated so how does the gender thing play currently 
I, I don't have the, the employment no, figures no, by gender, but the unemployment, yeah, yeah. of the 172,000, 110,000 are men. So there are more men unemployed than women. So the split is about 63% of men and 37% of women among the unemployed. And like when we look at the data coming out of the census, we can see the services economy is by far the most important sector in the Irish economy now. It's no longer agriculture or manufacturing, it's services. And women dominate the services sector. So for sure, the situation is changing with regards to unemployment. Now, I think everybody knows that the recent, if you like, rise in unemployment was led by the construction uh, industry. And of course, that's male dominated. There would be very few women working in the construction industry, apart from in the back office services. So that's why we're seeing, you know, the unemployment figures over the last eight years, you know, dominated by men. But one of the things, it's interesting to talk about services. Do you look at figures like, is unemployment higher in in what you would call as lower paid work than it might be, like we hear about tech service, that tech industries are screaming for people and so on. Is unemployment essentially still a a problem for people with lower education, lower earnings and so on, is it? Yeah, I don't have the industry breakdown in front of me, but I mean, the recent kind of picture or landscape around unemployment was dominated by the construction industry and by manufacturing. And, you know, I while services were hit because, you know, there's fewer, if you like, builders going in to buy breakfast rolls, you know, to put it that way, you know, as the women serving the breakfast rolls, services were hit also. But, you know, certainly the recent story has been around, if you like, the male dominated industries. And then, but that's not to say that they're necessarily lower paid. You know, a, a lot of a lot of people in the public service and, you know, in general in services jobs, you know, are not that well paid anymore. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you look, if you try and look at unemployment in A, a worldwide context and B, in a historical context, it, when recession hits and unemployment uh, rises, it seems to, it tends to hit first people in lower paid or less educated, less skillful jobs, perhaps a better way to do it because, because business are quicker to let them go as it were. Isn't that so? Yeah, it certainly is. But then if you look what happened to Ireland, wasn't there an awful lot of architects and engineers oh, lost yeah. their job in 2007, eight as well and people retrained. I know people personally in those industries yeah. who, who retrained. Our, so, our, our and recession, legal people yeah. as well. Yeah, our recession was definitely across the board like everybody got Well, the construction it. industry, if you like, sucked an awful lot of other people in, you yeah. know, with, with the collapse in the construction industry, you know. This thing about um, you have a hundred people knocking on doors. Now, I come to the door, right? And your person is there and they have their sheet at their clipboard and they start asking me what I see as quite personal questions, right? What's the incidence of people say, would you ever get on? You know, it's low enough. It's low enough. It is. Yeah, we get great support from the public. And just so a big thank you to all those (laughs) who are participating in the survey. We do about 26,000 households every quarter, about 2000 every week. And we we rely on the goodwill of the public to answer our questions. And you're right, George, some of them can seem quite intrusive or invasive. You but know, you never asked me. I mean, your figures... Well, I got chosen a couple of years ago, <laughs> just you? randomly. I did, and I know yeah. quite a few. So if you if you talk to people, you'll find they have been selected for I the survey. I was just thinking yes. your figures were probably uh, skewed not at all. by no, not no, interviewing no, no, me. No, no, George, not at all. No, it's a fully representative <laughs> sample of the whole country, and they move around from, you know, I mean, we stratify it, and, and yeah. we 
yeah. select from working class areas and from very posh areas like where I'm sure you live and Correct. then from down very the country posh. and all yeah. that. Yeah. But it, the other thing though, because I'd like to stay with this getting of information as you do. Like if you call to a house at two o'clock in the afternoon, you might as well get a very different respondent not response, but respondent, then you might if you called at seven. How do you do that then? Well, the person who answers the door can respond on behalf of the other people. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. right. I, okay. I mean, we like to interview everybody in the house. And if it's, you know, if they're there, we'll interview everybody one by one. But it's not always possible in this day and age. And so they will interview you about Ingrid or, you know, if you had adult children living at home or that type of thing, you know. All right. Yeah. I obviously gave away the game by telling you my wife's name was Ingrid, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, obviously did. Where did I get that information from? <laughs> now, it, the, the question of unemployment across Europe, we get it because we're in the EU. Are you sharing information now with Australia, Canada, the US? Is there a worldwide sharing of this kind of statistical information on unemployment particularly? There would be. A, a, like Organisations like the UN and the OECD would compile global statistics on unemployment. I don't have any of those figures. With no, me. no, I that's mean, just... just the EU there, is, there is a but whole it, sharing mechanism going on Well, here. a publishing. It will be published rather than a sharing. I mean, the CSO never shares any confidential information, but we will publish the figures public. on Single yeah. website, but so people could get yeah, the whole table word, of data yeah. on CSO.ie. We can find it and on but the Eurostat website as well. Yeah. yeah, but is is every because the one thing about numbers is they've got to be the same. So is everybody counting them the same way? Well, within Europe, they are. They have to be. So I mean that type the thing is laid down by regulation and they say you've got to do it this way in the same way when we ran the census in 2011 you know they were given the definitions of usual residence and you know just all sorts of things and so you have to do it according to the way they say and with unemployment because it's such an important economic indicator they lay down the rules and everybody in Europe is doing it the same way so when I can compare German unemployment of 4.6% with our 7.2%, it's directly comparable. And it, the same definitions have been applied. Looking here at the total number unemployed in Europe, 23 million people are unemployed in Europe at the moment. And the, the rate is 9.4% right across Europe. That's, That's not, eight years after the economic downturn. It's still yeah. at 9.4%. I mean, 23 million, you know, uh, like if you had a picture of 23 million uh, on, on standing somewhere, it would be an awful lot of people. Yeah. That sounds a bit crass to say, but nevertheless, 23 million yeah, is an enormous Europe. number yeah. of people, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, And had And, and like, when, when we look at the history of Europe, uh, unemployment has always been a key mover in changing political landscapes. Before you go this week, uh, Deirdre Cullen, statistician with the CSO, Deirdre... We've been collecting unemployment. It's one I'm really interested in. We've been collecting that since Foundation has stayed pretty well, have we or not? Yeah, I, I believe so, yeah. But, but certainly since we're a member of the EU, we're doing it according to the EU rules and regulations. All right. yeah. So you have so dusty tomes back in your office? Well, we certainly do, yeah. yeah. But a lot of it's up on the website now. People can get great time All series right. going back 20 and 30 years. All right, Deirdre Cullen from CSO, CSO.ie. Uh,